I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. For those who are regular listeners, you'll know that I took a week off. Um, there's a few reasons for that I'll go into quickly. Uh, the first is that I've been pretty busy in the studio. I finished a track for a new compilation. I can't really uh, go into details about which one it is yet because we're still waiting for the ink to dry and everything. But that'll be out this summer, and uh, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, second, the new release is finished from myself and Emmanuel. Uh, he runs the arts label, and together we do this kind of split record label versus record label thing called uh, Enemy versus Arts. And that second release is finished. Um, I got everything sorted out for that in the week that I was gone. And uh, that'll be officially announced soon, along with some audio previews and uh, all that good shit. I also recorded a new DJ mix for the Reclaim Your City radio show. Um, I haven't been doing too many mixes these days, or I should say in the past year and a half or so. I'm trying to get better at that, and I've actually been toying with uh, starting a little, I wouldn't call it a podcast, but just throwing shit up on SoundCloud where uh, I kind of just play cool records that I buy for at home that, you know, really I would never be able to play out in a club, but they're still kind of dance floor friendly or whatever. Um, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. Depends on my mood when I when the time comes. Uh, and third, I just needed a little bit of time off. It's summer now, and, uh, well, today's gloomy, but aside from that, it's getting to be pretty nice here, so I just don't want to be behind the computer any more than I have to. Anyway, this week's guests. For the first time, we've got Cosman TRG. Uh, Cosman's a guy that I met about five years ago once I moved overseas, and, uh, now we hang out quite a bit, and, um... He's one that I've wanted to have on the show for a while, but he's been pretty busy, and so finally I got him locked in. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to have him here. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, he kind of got his start in that sort of bass music slash dubstep scene about 10 years ago. You know, the real shit where it's stripped down, not like the Skrillex stuff or whatever. Um, and, he, you know, he was doing things for labels like Hessel Audio and Hot Flush, and then uh, eventually, over time, he started to move on towards uh, more of this melodic, leaning sort of techno, uh, also a bit breakbeaty on um, labels like 50 Weapons. I know he did one album on there, maybe two, I can't remember offhand. And then uh, in the past couple of years, he started his own new label called Physic, which uh, on the releases so far, in my opinion, they've had this more stripped-down sort of spatial sound. Um, so if you're into something a little bit weirder, check it out. Uh, we're going to talk about, about his label on the show and the plans for it. Uh, exciting shit, man. Lastly, uh, for guests, Truncate is back. Uh, David, you know, is a good friend of mine, and he's he's been traveling quite a bit recently. But he finally was back in Europe for some gigs, and uh, during his off time, he came over to hang out with me and Cosman and be the co-host. So we're going to hang out with him and catch up and see what he's up to. Uh, on this episode, we also learn a bit about Cosman, field some questions from people, and uh, I guess it's also worth noting that um, Cosman did this Facebook streaming video thing where he... You know, it was live video of us doing the show, and uh, it was just something we were testing out because maybe I'll do this in the future and on a regular basis. But uh, it was kind of working, kind of cool, kind of distracting. So if you're wondering what we're talking about in the beginning, that's what we're talking about. A um, couple more things. The links to some of the topics in this episode are on the website. Just click on the episode and you can find links to all the dumb shit we're talking about. There's also a new section on the website where you can submit questions that are just generally for any guest or specific guests. When you go to that page, you'll find out who's coming around and you can kind of design it how you want. Put your name up there. I don't care. Lastly... Uh, a lot of you have actually written in to the show, and uh, honestly, I didn't know that. I set up a mailbox one day and uh, to, to collect all the mail for the website, 
And uh, I forgot that I set it up. So I just recently discovered that there's some messages there. So I'm not being rude. Uh, I'll try to get back to you guys. But uh, the reason I haven't done it so far is just because I forgot that I had the mailbox. Anyway, I've been chatting enough. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Trainwrecks, guys. Today I got Cosman TRG and the return of Truncate. David, he's back. Cosman, go ahead and say hello so they kind of uh, know what your voice sounds like. Hey, guys. David? Hey, guys. Yeah. All <laughs> right. similar. <laughs> it's good to find, finally have you on the show, Cosman. And David, welcome back. Thank it's you. It's been a minute. Yeah. Actually, when we recorded your episode, it was uh, last summer, so it's been... Was it that long ago? It's been 10 months now. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just took forever to come out. That's why. Yeah. So <laughs> it's my fault. My mic's a little too low. Anyway, um, yeah. So, Cosman, uh, we want to talk a little bit about you at first since you haven't been on the show yet. And then we'll just get into all the usual bullshit on here. Um, I saw today when you were uh, posting up things on Facebook that uh, you were re listening to Try Repite by Attacker. Great fucking album, huh? Yeah. I mean, that was, for me, one of those that uh, kind of set the, the tone for, like, my taste going forward even till today, like, as far as IDM goes and shit like that. It's more on the... It's still pretty melodical and not too far into that, like, glitchy territory yet, so... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not actually an authority on Autecker. I wish I was. But um, this is one of the albums I really like and go back to once in a while. Just yeah. because it's uh, it's probably one of the more accessible ones as well, just mm-hmm. because you know it's 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 more melodic as well. Um, I wish I was uh, I wish I was into the uh, the later ones as well, like the, the more glitchy ones. Um, I can I can still uh, get into them as well, but um, this is something you can actually post on Facebook and get totally. likes for. You can listen to it comfortably, <laughs> like the newer stuff. Actually, the in the last, like, let's say, five to ten years, it's starting to get a little bit more musical again. But, uh, yeah, some of that stuff, it's, in my opinion, just kind of, like, way too sound design-oriented. Like, I can respect the sound quality and the, and the production, but it's just... I'm not going to hang out and listen to it. It gets a bit too wild sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's a little intense. I saw them recently at, um, in, uh, at Decibel in Seattle. <clears throat> yeah, how they was did it? a live performance. It was really good, but, yeah, it was, like, super intense... Really bass-heavy, glitchy kind of vibe. It, it actually sounded really cool, though. So, but yeah, I think I can imagine it's it turn off for a lot of people. Like, what the hell's going on? People I think there's a know. time and place for everything, like, especially for that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I um, that was kind of the thing. Like, I want to say around 2000 or 2001. That's when all the EDM kids, like the glitch plugins, came out for Ableton and stuff like that. And it just went fucking bonkers with it for a while. And I kind of lost my interest there. I still like it, you know, a bit more real. Like, you can still be experimental and not go too far off the deep end. But there has to be people like Attacker that are really like, let's push it to, uh, you know, this extreme. You yeah. know what I mean? But anyway, I just I just remember that and I wanted to bring that up. Um, but... Talking about you, you've had a lot going on in the last... Uh, when did you put out your first record? Was it 10 years ago? Wow. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Something like this. 2007, I guess. I didn't do my research. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's around then. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of slowly over time changed styles musically and whatnot, but you've done a lot. You went from like the dubstep thing a bit into even some more melodic territory. And right now it's like this kind of spatial... Uh, you know, dungeon-esque sort of sound that you're working on with your new label, Physic. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? All right, yeah, sure. Um, like, where do I start? <laughs> well, I mean, like, okay, let's assume that people on the show are listening that don't even know what it is or they haven't kept up, so... I mean, All right, what, the label. Yeah. All right, yeah. Um, well, I started Physic in 2000. 14 yep. that was uh that was about the time when i when I, I wanted to just put out a few records that um that i could be fully in charge of and uh it was it was pretty much a diy sort of thing like i wanted to 
design the artwork. I wanted to take uh, pictures. I wanted to paint. I wanted to, uh, you know, um, be in charge of it uh, 100%. And I also worked with the, with some amazing people who uh, really respected what I wanted to do. And that was that was great. And we're now at number four in the catalog. Um, I'm actually thinking of um, expanding it a little bit. Uh, we're gonna take on some some artists on the label. Uh, we're gonna have some remixes um, on the label towards the end of the year, maybe September, October. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome. New artists or people kind of known already? Yeah, no, there's, um, I don't want to spoil the surprise right now, okay. but um, there's uh, a new talent, let's just yeah, say. A new, yeah. yeah, a new talent um, from yeah. uh, from Bucharest. Um, mm. I really, I really love his, uh, his enthusiasm <clears throat> and his sound. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to um, bring this, this label towards more of a platform for, um, for talent, you know, for new talent out there. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, he played the tracks for me the other day when I was at his house and, uh, yeah, it's cool stuff. You know what I mean? I don't, I think it's, uh, it's different than what's on the label so far, but it also fits when you kind of looked at what the other records have been conceptually at the moment and whatnot. Is so it? without, like I said, without breaking it too early or something, mm -hmm. but it's, it's definitely cool. Yeah. Is it like techno stuff or bit it's in weirder a, experimental? Yeah, I guess it's in a, it, it's somewhere <clears throat> between somewhere between house and techno. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not something, um, it's not generic. It's not, um, it's not loopy. It's not, Maybe it's not something for all the DJs out there, but right. it's definitely something that you know catches your ear, and you just go like, "Oh wow, what's this?" And cool. that's that's the one thing that's important for me to cool. like listen to something and have this kind of reaction. <clears throat> Man, uh, sorry to cut you off. We, we we were trying to screw around with this periscope to get <laughs> it going on the podcast. Uh, we tried for like 20 minutes and it just wouldn't work. But now I'm getting all these messages about it now and, and tweets, like retweets and stuff. Never mind that, but <laughs> But uh, yeah, so his label's called Physic, and um, you you do all like you said you were choosing the artwork and stuff. But you actually do the paintings. Like I have, I still haven't hung it up, but I put it in a frame. Got the painting on the floor there. And uh, that's right. You pour me a little of that too. Is it gone? I think it might, might well be gone. The you can pull the rest of the bottle out of the fridge. I just wanted to keep it cold. Um, I was gonna. Oh yeah. So like you've taken the pictures. You've you've painted the actual artwork that goes on these records. And this stuff's for sale also on your Bandcamp, right? Uh yeah. I did. I did a few. Uh, I made a few prints. Uh, that people can buy on Bandcamp. Um, it was it was just. I just wanted to branch out a little bit and uh, bring some of my other, uh, let's say, uh, hobbies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very bad word. But, um, it's the one that's already open. The one that feels really like it's half empty because we already drank half the bottle. That's the one to pull out. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Um, and then, you know, I guess a lot of people are also familiar with your albums and your work on 50 Weapons. Um, and that was kind of all, I don't want to say all over, but like some of it was pretty melodic. Uh, Gordian, actually Gordian, it was called, right? I'm just yeah. double checking. Yeah. That almost still fairly melodic too, but that started to get pretty, uh, experimental as well. Like a little bit less straightforward drums, like kick drum, hi hat, clap sort of thing. I am. Um, um, that was, um, that was probably my most melodic thing to, to, to date. Uh, or, or the running back perhaps? Maybe that was that was more of a I don't know it, it fit into the running back aesthetic I think uh, so it wasn't over the top melodic it was it was uh, of course um, more let's say harmonic you yeah know? whereas Gordian it has a lot of melody to it but it's more you know the because I don't I don't really have any uh, um, like proper classical music education. So I don't, I don't, I didn't really know what I was doing when I was like hitting chords and, you know, everything in there is, you know, like hit and miss. So what do you think about it now? Or is it still one of those things where you don't really want to listen to it yet? Like, are you still proud of the album or? 
I'm proud of I'm proud of the album as a like as an achievement. I'm proud that it came out the way it did. Um it's probably not something that I would I would revisit. Uh but there are a lot of ideas in there. I think there are a lot of good tracks in there. I think it works as an album. Um Yeah, and as I said, it's it's probably not something that I would I would do again, uh, just because uh, I believe in the idea of progress. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, so right now, um, you know, you're DJing quite a bit and whatnot. Uh, when you when you're playing your sets, what is there a certain kind of thing you're kind of striving for at the minute? Like this is Cosmic TRG, like because you have a radio show actually, which let's just mention now on NTS radio. And it, I mean, it's diverse in the sense that like you have some straight up ambient stuff and then you have some broken beat things or some techno, but I mean like, how does that compare to, let's say your live sets? Well, it's, it's pretty different because I don't, you know, I don't want to subject anybody to uh to like an hour of ambient before an hour before the other hour mm -hmm. of like house or techno, you know? The one thing that I'm going for in my uh, my DJ sets is variety, uh, just because I can't. I, I mean, I, what I play is usually what I want to listen to when I when I go mm -hmm. out, for example. Um, I'm I'm a fan of you know specialist DJs who uh, you know play like a I don't want to say a linear set, but like a, like a specialist set. You know everything kind of gels together and it's like it's sort of this like, tunnel vision thing yeah sure uh so i'm a fan of that as well but uh that's not necessarily something that i want to do or that i can do you know yeah so a lot, i mean the the way i approach my dj sets is quite organic i just get a lot of music that i like and then i play it and you know in such a and and try to get a structure that makes sense mm -hmm. you, know, you know yeah i mean um You know, I think that maybe it's just because of, you know, a lot of the people that I have on the show end up being friends. We have similar tastes, but uh, pretty much everybody that's been on the show is, are known as DJs that have a pretty diverse selection as a DJ. You know, like you got David sitting right here at the table, too. He likes a lot of different things. I mean, within the van, you're doing like Chicago stuff yeah. and some techno. <clears throat> I still like to keep it pretty dance floor friendly. Yeah, 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 but I mean... You know, I've, I've noticed even in your sets in the last couple of years and playing Europe and more, there's some things that you're playing now that maybe I wouldn't have expected you to in the past yeah, or whatever. Possible. But, I mean, you know, we all kind of... Uh, we grow. Yeah, we yeah. everybody grows. Your tastes change. Mm -hmm. And also, if you are fortunate enough to DJ out a bit more, there are going to be different scenarios. You know what I mean? Yeah. So That's true. Anyway... Um, I didn't really plan any other questions. <laughs> <laughs> But let's talk about you quick, David. You've been it's been a while since you're on the show. Um you've done some remixes and stuff like that, but uh have you anything else big planned at the moment or any any um, singles or anything? Um well as you know, I just submitted the next trunk A record. Um one of the tracks you've been playing for quite a while now. Uh hopefully you get that out by Maybe towards the end of summertime. Mm -hmm. um, I've done quite a few remixes. And uh, there's one that I'm working on now for Josh Wink for Boys Noise. And i um, kind of excited about that. And I've already made like a test kind of run. Mm -hmm. And so far it's cool, but I'm still going to work on it a bit more and try to make it a bit better. <laughs> and um, you just... I'm trying to remember. Didn't you have one come out somewhat recently as well? There's been quite a few. <laughs> That's true. You've been pretty busy, so yeah. And I mean, considering as much as as much as I travel, I can still get in the studio pretty often. But I'm trying to do less remixes uh, at the moment um, and focus more on original music and more stuff for my label because I've only been putting out maybe one or two records a year compared to like three or four. So. Well, that's because you're over here so much and you're yeah. playing a lot now. <laughs> yeah, so, which is a good thing, but I, I should focus on, on more tracks and getting back in the studio on original music. What are you doing? Over, oh, that's, over, a, that's a, live on I haven't uh, Facebook. See, all this kind of stuff is brand new to me, like the, the Periscope and the 
the Facebook Live and all that. I've never used any of that shit. Oh, yeah, we're, we're testing out new things, hey. you know. <laughs> um, so I'm there's some actually interesting questions that came through this week. Usually it's <clears> just a shit show of of stupidity, but some of them are pretty good. So let's get into some of them and go from there. Okay, uh, I guess. Well, Cosman, you're you're going to the state soon, right? You're going to be doing a tour over there. Oh yeah. <clears throat> let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be playing in New York. Chicago, Montreal, and Washington. Uh, Flash in D.C.? Uh, no. Uh, I actually forgot the name of the venue. But the, Wait, Washington the, the state? No, Washington, oh, okay. D.C. It's, it's D.C. <clears throat> it's, it's, a, it's a, an oh. event called Amalgamation. Oh, okay. One-off um, thing? I think so, yeah. Um, but no, I think it's, it's actually a series of events. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> I don't remember the actual venue, but it's going to be announced soon. Right on. And that's going to be... So I'm playing... I'm, I'm going to be in the States from June 9th, I guess, or 10th. Okay. Yeah, the first show is at Good Room in New York. I've oh, heard yeah. good things I've about heard, it. I've heard, yeah. Yeah. Where in Chicago? Smart Bar? Smart Bar, yeah. Right Haven't on. been there in a while. Yeah. Smart Bar is fun. Looking forward. So, um, and if people... You know, because people are going to forget. Where can they check these dates out? Just on your Facebook page, or yeah, for sure. I mean, the the one easiest place to get a um, to get the lowdown on my events uh, is on Facebook. Facebook dot com slash Cosmic Music, or just search for it on Facebook. <laughs> or that, yeah. <laughs> but so you know, um, you've been in the states before. You've done the gigs. You're going to go for this other tour. You know that. Things in the states are a little different for techno. It's on a smaller scale, obviously, but it's more. It's just not as accepted as it is in Europe. And someone wrote in, and they said they're on the East Coast, and they've they've been fortunate enough to experience stuff uh, like clubbing in Europe. But they're wondering. Uh, I guess what the question is saying is basically what it would take for American clubs to be able to have a good techno scene or house or whatever music. Um, yeah, it's not the loosely. clubs; it's the it's the people. <laughs> well, that's a big part of it. I mean, yeah. ultimately, it's what you make it. Yeah. You know, like uh, I try to tell people, just like when you go on vacations to places, because they say like, "Oh, Las Vegas is terrible" or whatever. I'm just like, "Well, who did you go with?" And then they're like, "Well, you know, I went for work or with yeah. my parents or something." And it's like, listen, like using Las Vegas again as an example. I don't know why. Uh, I've done it where I've gone for work and it was super dull. I've done it where I've gone with friends and you party down and you have a great time. Like yeah. it's what you make it. Just True. the same as like the festival in Detroit. Uh, that festival is all about being there with your friends and stuff. You know what I mean? That's what makes it so great. Yeah. And uh, so I think when it comes, of course, there's like a lot of politics on the local level for American clubs that it makes it difficult and the police are, you know, uh, they're not so friendly. Yeah. In some instances, well, but lack of venues, a lot of yeah. factors, I guess. There's a lot of factors. I think the single biggest factor is in the United States, most of the closing times is going to be <clears throat> 2 a.m. Yeah. And people don't go out until 12, so they get totally shit hammered. <laughs> Party for the two first, hours. <laughs> yeah. And then they go home. Yeah. And I mean, that's really when a DJ is just starting to warm up. And uh, I don't know. Basically, I think that's. You know, Cosman, is, being a European, do you agree or do you see any other views on it or what would need to change maybe? Or, Well, I think it's, I think it's very, um, I think it's very hard to, to get, you know, all these factors in place uh, that have made, uh, for example, Berlin a great scene or Paris a great scene. Uh, a lot of things have uh, changed, for example, in Paris because it oh, didn't used time. to be didn't used to be this big. It kind of used there. to suck, you know. And now it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, like concrete, for example, they changed uh, a lot of things in the scene. Um, you know, the, uh, there were a lot of clubs. Um, they're still, um, you know, uh, doing a great job, but it took this kind of party and this kind of concept to to actually bring out the the numbers bring out the people um and uh now they have a really good thing going on mm -hmm. uh there was no you know i think i mean to my knowledge there, there wasn't a festival the size of the weather festival for example which was like a hundred thousand people is it that big yeah dude wow was, like, i thought it was three days. like 15 20 000 no but over, over three days ah, okay you know, oh um 
still there's there's no such thing um in in berlin for example is there well, there's the, the one out at um is it tempelhof where they have like sven fates and west bam and all that the all berlin right, well, but it's that's still a it's not in comparison to that stuff yeah, really it's, it's very different it's more of a club culture here but versus, well not only that but every weekend is a fucking festival yeah, weekend Berg, here. Berg is a just, festival every weekend <laughs> dude like you know, there's like 60 events going on. Yeah, um, that's true. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, Berlin wouldn't need this, this Mm-mm. like a festival this size. But what I'm trying to say is that I think it's very hard to get a mix of all of these things to, uh, you know, to happen in one place uh, in one time, you know. But also like in the States, you, you know, like, like you use concrete for an example. It's like you can't, it's such a big risk in the States to have a really awesome club and have headliners every weekend to get people kind of excited about it. Sure. It's such a big risk, you know, and it's, it's easy in France because pretty much every DJ is a, just a short flight away versus the States, you know, maybe that's why output was kind of, uh, it well is kind of successful because it's like the halfway point to the States and Europe. So they can fly dudes in weekly, like no, not a big deal, mm-hmm. but like something in LA like that would be, I think really hard. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a factor. <laughs> yeah. Well, going back to what you said that it's down to the people, New York's another one of those cities kind of like Paris. Like some guys disagree with me and they say that like New York was always going off. I don't live there, so I can't say for sure. But from my personal experience, New York really started to blow up like again, six years ago or yeah, something. Yeah. And that was also because of the people, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, for better or worse, but like that's, you know, in everybody, it's funny because I've done some of these events lately where these promoters try to, they want to do a 400 person show and it's their second show. And I'm like, maybe you should do like 10 shows before you even try to aim for 400 people. Like start small, yeah. do, you know, a 40 person night at a bar or something and, and build something like grassroots style. Yeah. You know? That's this, that's how droid started. Yeah. I mean, the first shows were in bars and like sushi bars and super small warehouses. And now, you know, five, 600 people, so it's you got to build up a scene and i think a lot of times promoters won't have the patience they'll try to do a show and if it's not success successful then they'll kind of be like oh this sucks we probably won't do another show again or i don't know totally but i mean you know and it's it's easier to lose out on a smaller show than a big show like that Mm -hmm. you know just for shits and giggles because we were talking about things always going on it's a monday night here in berlin and there's 11 events going on jesus so (laughs) And that's something. only what's on Resident Advisor. Yeah, I'm, there's <laughs> other stuff going on. Is anybody able to chat on that thing? Are they saying are anything? People, or? Looks like people oh, yeah. are posting. Oh, wait. Yeah, people are posting. 100 people. Jesus. I got to get on this whole video thing, apparently. A um, couple questions for each of you guys. The first one question is for Truncate. How much time do you put into your bre- uh, beer brewing passion as seen on the Slices feature? Well, the thing is, I just started getting into brewing, so um, it's hard to find time because when I'm home for a weekend, it's usually chilling out, looking, I mean, seeing family and hanging with friends. So I'm not dedicating that much time into it yet, but I want to more and more. Um, Yeah, there'll be more in the future for sure. So I don't know. I've brewed a couple times a year, I Mm -hmm. would say. So far. And didn't you say like one thing got fucked up or something too? Yeah, the last brew um, I did with uh, my friend, uh, which I brew at his house because he's got all the equipment. Yeah, the keg that it was, the <clears throat> the keg that the beer was fermenting in had a leak and it all leaked out. So I was here in Europe for like five weeks. And the last week before I went home, he texted me and said, yeah, it's all gone. And I said, what do you mean? He said, it leaked out. So I never even got to taste it. <laughs> Bummer. That was a bummer. That was the last I brew have, I did. By the way, that's that's truncate. Like, I'm not oh, yeah. brewing beer. He's, <laughs> oh, yeah. he's the one brewing beer. Yeah. But I am a hipster. <laughs> and uh, so this question's for Cosman. Uh, this is what something we should have got scored away right away in the beginning of the show. I got it a, a bunch of times. What the hell does TRG stand for in your name? <laughs> that ordeal. All right. Well, I held out so far. I'm probably going to... Hold on. <laughs> so it's mysterious. Yeah. Well, th- there is there there is uh, there is there is a story. Um, you could you know you could make out what you want. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was I was playing with Eftemin and Corsica in London. So we were in this car on the way to the venue, 
and there's a bunch of people in the car. We're talking about how popular the Romanian kind of minimal house and techno is in London. Mm -hmm. And uh, one like, one person in the car was wondering how this stuff goes down in uh, in Bucharest. And uh, Philip was like, Efteman was like, uh, well, ask the Romanian guy. And then it was this pause and everyone was like, the Romanian TR ah TRG wow <laughs> <laughs> so that's one way one way could, yeah so we can all make up our own yeah all right I'm gonna have a little bit more of that sake and I'm just gonna come up with some nasty we'll, ones. we'll come up with some cool stuff towards yeah. the end of the podcast <laughs> I'm sure everyone's gonna come which uh, <laughs> people wouldn't normally guess I would assume from hearing your voice on the mic but you're actually Romanian. And you, oh, yeah. you speak yeah, more English fluent English really than, I don't know, some of my friends in America. So. Yeah. I'll take it as a compliment. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Also, oh, yeah, that, both of these questions were from Vincent Neumann. And he says uh, to Cosman, I'll see you at Burkhine in June. You guys are going to be sharing a booth together. All right. Place, yeah. So. See you there, Vincent. Awesome. Um, man, some of these questions are really l long here. That looks like a pretty long question. I'm going to, yeah, that's going to take a minute to read, so I'll come back to that one. Um, okay, this is kind of interesting, considering we all have our own labels here. Do you think it's a good idea today to be self-released on your own label with pressed vinyls and everything, or having a huge contact book in the industry? I guess both, I don't know. But, um, Wait, I don't get it. <laughs> well, like, they're, they're saying, like, uh, is it a good idea to kind of do your own thing? Like, start a label, do your own shit? Or is it better to to work up a bunch of, uh, you know, demos to send out and whatnot? Hmm. Um, I mean, I think nowadays it's probably a good idea to start your own thing. Like, everyone's has a label, pretty much. And you can get more control over what you release. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because there's a million labels out there. I think there's a, um, there's a lot of pros and cons to each of those. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like you can kind of do your own thing, but at the same time you're responsible if it fails. It's like owning yeah, exactly. your own business. Yeah, so that's true. Um, and if you have the contacts and you have the label, then you can get uh, your records in the right hands. And, yeah, it could kind of help you uh, with uh, growing at the label. Totally. Uh, I, I guess I guess I realized that was actually the second part to the, this other long question I had here because he was saying, or I'm assuming it's a guy, could be a girl too. Uh, they had the impression that these days you almost have to work on the social aspect of you know with the the Twitter and the Facebook and all that. And it's yeah. not just about making tracks, and uh, you know, there's basically just one. He or she is wondering like. Is it possible to get by by talent and hard work, or do you have to do with all this kind of rat race? Well, you have to let people know that you're around. I yeah, mean, I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> it's it's uh, the social media thing is here to stay. Yeah, I mean, the the platforms will always change. Whether it's like, I mean, this Facebook Live thing that Cosman's got going on right now, I don't think anybody will use it in a year. But for right now, it's a cool thing. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Yeah. What's flying across the screen? Yeah, what's... likes, dude. The oh, likes are flying tight. I got more of this, this is just now than on my <laughs> Facebook page in the last two months. <laughs> but um, anyway, so yeah, the, so it doesn't hurt to have a, a good thing. But I still think that like if you're if you have real talent and you actually make an effort to get it out, you'll do fine. Some of, I, I have some friends that are like fucking amazing producers, and they make great stuff, but they're still too lazy to like actively push out their content to, to other labels or even their friends. Yeah. You know, I, I've asked my friends like, what's up with this music? They're like, Oh yeah, I got something. And then just fucking nothing. It's crickets. You know what I mean? So it's really, I, it, I think it's really important for sure. You got to have some sort of social media presence, mm -hmm. you know, I think as long as you're not buying likes or anything like that, yeah. get them, get them the hard way. I think it's a very organic thing that uh, that happens. Like some some people can just put out a record and not have a, any sort of social media presence, and it just grows organically. Like kind of like Samuel District, they didn't really have a social media thing. I think, but then again, they were around before it was really. They well, when they started kicking off, that was kind yeah. of when the PR thing and techno really started stepping it up. Yeah, not just like true. the magazines and whatnot. But the thing is, is it's like. Um, you know, I well, it's hardest to. This is general terms here, but it's like 
if you're a guy that uh, was generally not doing, like Ricardo is not a big, uh, I don't know, PR guy. And I, I know he has a guy that's posting pictures and sitting now, but before there was like, you couldn't find anything about Ricardo Villalobos online because he right, just is, right. he doesn't give a shit. Well, he and, doesn't need uh, it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, actually, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't even think Surgeon has a Facebook page to this day, like an, an actual official one. And it's like, so it's like if mm. you kind of, I guess what I'm getting at is, um, you you kind of got to grow into your role. Like if you make really commercial music or whatever, then it makes sense to actively push the. Yeah, but you're also talking about Surgeon, who's been around a long time, where he doesn't really he doesn't need, need to. No, but of I'm course. saying a new person. But that's what I'm saying. That's like coming up you need you kind of craft something. your own career. Like yeah. and you know, for example, if you're making like really um, experimental music and stuff like that, you're gonna have a different approach to it as a dude like let's say just DJ Sneak or well, something. You know to what get I mean? Gigs or something. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, I'm not saying that you should really think things through because it should be organic, but all of these factors kind of tie together <clears throat> yeah. and kind of builds your persona or whatever or just describes who the hell you are. You know what I mean? True. I think it's very important because uh, social media is actually shaping the way we, uh, we interact right now. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 it's actively changing the way we, uh, we relate to other people, we, the way we relate to, uh, let's say, an audience and the way the audience relates to artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know... With all the algorithms, with all the you know the, the the trending topics, the censorship, the you know whatever goes on in social media right now, I think it dictates the way um, we talk to people. Uh, it dictates the way we establish relationships, both uh, you know personal or uh, professional. You know, professional. And I think it's very important to have a to have a really serious conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Not too serious. Yeah, we're getting too <laughs> serious. If you're still listening, uh, we're sorry about that. And we're getting towards the end of the first bottle of no, sake. We're, we're so tackling this, the issues that people This will care get about. better here. Uh, I got a question here from the internet. Who is the greatest action star from Hollywood in the 1980s? It's a oh, tough one, man. It's easy. What is it? Action star for the 80s. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Dude, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's more more like the end of the or 80s. Sylvester Stallone. Chuck yeah, but Norris? he's such a dick. You know, that's the thing. Like, we just well, gotta look up take, the Expendables cast. Take away the personality. <laughs> just talk, true, just like the badasses the from the movies. Hmm. I mean, fuck. That's it is an interesting question. There's a lot. Schwarzenegger, of, I think. Was probably, probably one of the biggest. I mean, he was Conan and uh, Terminator from Predator and all this <clears throat> shit. Predator, exactly. Um, <laughs> action star. Now it's got me thinking. I know, I'm, like, because you know, there's those expendable movies got yeah. all those fucking guys. I'm just looking at the list to see. Well, those what Dolph Lundgren, but yeah, he, but yeah. he wasn't in dude. That he many was in movies. fucking He Man in the <laughs> '80s, so he's off the list. I love Dolph. Don't get me wrong, but he is not. Anywhere close to number one, Cosman, you you got nothing yeah. to say on this matter, dude. I, I said Van Damme. That was that Van Damme. Yeah, dude. He had like two cool movies in the eighties: Kickboxer, Kickboxer, and Bloodsport. Dude, yeah. Bloodsport. I mean, Bloodsport, but like, I don't know what else. He was not like a fucking alien fighter or anything. You know yeah, what I dude. mean? Like the eighties were all about excess. <laughs> I'd um, say I think Schwarzenegger. That's the one that goes off the top of my head right now. Bruce Willis was kind of badass. Yeah, he didn't Die do Hard. as much, but like Die Schwarzenegger like was more. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Schwarzenegger on this yeah. one. Sorry. Yeah, I'd say Schwarzenegger. Right. No. Still Van Damme. Has <laughs> anybody got any questions on that foolish little app of yours? <laughs> I'll check it out. Oh, yeah. Uh, someone was wondering how we're uh, protecting our ears. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> really? <laughs> you have your... Protective earplugs? Yeah, man. I actually just got them guilty. But yeah, I got the fitted ones. This company, ACS, from New York. Um, They were in L.A. one weekend that I was home. And I went, did my molds, got them within a week and a half. And actually, it's been uh, pretty amazing. It's hard to DJ with them. I still keep them in while I'm DJing. But I'm getting used to them little by little. But it's super important, man. Because, yeah, I mean, weekend in and out. You're in front of loudspeakers, 
Yeah, dude. I have a cool story protection. about this. Like, I have I have the same ACS thing. It's it's actually hmm. like an international company. Oh, is but, it? Um, okay. I thought the, they're from New York. <clears throat> I think the the way it works, you just get the mold uh, wherever you know, wherever you are. So, and then you just send the uh, the impression, right? Right, right. And then you get the actual thing. Yeah. So I was looking up the 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 company that does this in in Berlin, and uh, I just wanted to um, you know speak to someone who spoke. English because I had some questions and I just uh, didn't feel comfortable going to like, a, you know, your typical German uh, um, office, mm -hmm. whatever. And so I looked it up. There were like hundreds of places where you could get the impression, but it was just this one guy. Um, it looked like uh, like a cool company that does like sound, uh, you know music and this impression thing mm -hmm. so i was like cool uh sounds like a good deal um i went to the i went to the address and it was in like a pretty derelict building up here on the, like behind Gerlitzer. and so this guy comes out it's it's like uh like a bunch of studios and uh like storage places it's like a maze we get to his office or whatever and <laughs> and so so the guy just goes like right so uh you know we go through a bunch of uh questions and answers and i'm like cool yeah i want to i want to get these and he's like all right i'll just uh pour some uh injection silicon jackson silicon in here like this is i'm like yeah i'm like are you are you gonna are you gonna test my ear or something like i i thought there would be like a legit like medical test or something right and i was like no i'm just gonna take an impression of your ear my ears didn't get tested i'm i was just like i was all, i was a bit worried Is all the guy did was look in my ear with those little uh what do you call it do you know they look inside your ear oh what you call it yeah he just like looked in my ear and he goes okay you're cool and then he just like made the mold <laughs> <laughs> he said he said he said the same thing it just looked like yeah it's, it's cool it's all right And then he just poured the poured the silicone. I was just like, "This is gonna be so ghetto. Like, I'm gonna get some really bad, some bad ones, earplugs." But uh, yeah, they work fine. They were great. Yeah. Which uh, what um, filters do you have? Like, how many dB? I think it's the minus seventeen. Yeah, it's mine too. I could. I think I it's too low, low sometimes. Really? Yeah. I thought I could When go I'm lower. DJing, I feel like I can't hear enough. Well, that's the thing. I don't. I don't use them while I DJ. Uh okay. I keep them in when I DJ. Mm. I'm trying to because I don't know. I feel like it defeats the purpose. <laughs> well, it, I think it does to some extent, but uh, I, I think it's also cool to just get a get a feeling of uh, what the crowd is mm -hmm. uh, is actually uh, hearing as well. Yeah, and <clears throat> you know what? Like nine cases out of ten, when I when I play after someone in a um, and I check the booth, and they have the the booth headphone volume up. like cranked up to eleven. The yeah. booth uh, volume is also like super loud, and um, I just think it's really important to kind of keep a keep a good balance between the booth and the and, and the room. And yeah. I think it's I think it's really important to wear the to wear the earplugs uh, up until like five or ten minutes before the show. Yeah, something like that. I'm trying to keep them in during the sets and it's a bit rough but i'm kind of getting used to it so we'll see but i pull them out quite a few times though sometimes like yeah screw this take them out and yeah and then the next morning i'm like oh, i should have kept them in i'm just deaf as fuck man. <laughs> I, I you know it's one of those things where i keep saying i'm gonna do it and then i never end up doing it so yeah, it took me a long time to get out But, you know, speaking about sets and going out and everything, this guy, uh, Christian, on the Facebook Live thing it has a question. He goes, if you're going to choose how long you're going to mix at a gig, um, what would be the ideal length of your set? If you could choose? Yeah. Is he asking Cosman? Or yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, like, let's say, you know, of course, you have your dream scenario, like you could play eight hours at whatever. You know what I mean? Like your favorite club or whatever. But let's say you're going out on the road and, uh, you know, just one quick night out you want do you like to play two hours three hours four hours you know what's a good solid set for you guys i think it really depends on the night like if it's if it's uh if it's like a classic uh, club night um let's say anywhere in europe 
that goes till like from midnight or from like 11 till like six or seven in the morning, I think my ideal set is somewhere around three hours. I think I can, you know, convey my message in in those three hours. Um, If it's, if it's more of an after hours thing, uh, I like to go on for like three, four hours. Um, If it closes at like nine or 10 in the morning, of course, you know, it's, uh, it's good to, you know, go on for a little bit. Um, if I had to choose, I don't know. I've n- I've never done a set that was longer than five or six hours. I don't think so. Mm. Really? So I'm not sure yet. Well, yeah, I mean, I you know, for me, I, I think what it comes down to it, it's like I kind of agree with you. Three hours is kind of the um, sweet point. I, I, can have, I can play longer, you know, four hours, five hours is cool. But I feel like in three hours... I can kind of get warmed up. I can kind of go off into weirder ter- territory if I feel like it. I can play the hits or whatever. And I feel like people kind of get their money's worth or, you know what I mean? And whereas like if I play an hour and a half, two hours, like at these festivals or something, yeah, it's like I can deliver, I guess, but it's not really what, you know, people would come to hear me play. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so uh, what about you, Dave? Yeah, I'd say between between three to four hours is uh, pretty ideal for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm, I think when it comes to the longer sets, it's it's hard to be uh, it's hard to say like yeah I I can do oh I want to do ten hours. I think when you get to that level, it's more of like you've been playing for six hours and then you kind of keep going to the ten hours, kind of unplanned. Yeah. I think it's better that way than someone just saying yeah you're gonna play ten hours tonight. It's like damn okay like I don't know. I feel like when it gets to those lengths, like it's better to go off of uh, the feeling, you know. Totally, yeah. you know that's the thing. Like I, I do, um, I do more of these all night sets now lately. We call them all nights on. Super clever, <laughs> uh, and at like certain venues, like I, I do it all the time now at Outport or Panther Room or you know, to like clubs that I'm used to that I know that are going to go off. <clears throat> That works really well, but I have committed to some of these where it's in a different city or I haven't really played at this club, and you show up and you're just like, it's not even that it, that it's a bad gig and that you know you don't want to play the whole eight hours, but you're just like, well, this isn't the party for that kind of sustainable thing. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so you really kind of like you said, you should just kind of go with it. Like if you're lucky, they're like, well, we can keep the bar yeah, on exactly. and we're going to pay the security going. guards. Yeah. It shouldn't be one of those things where you have to plan for it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? so. Well, here's another question that kind of goes with that. As a working DJs that we are, like how would you feel about getting paid the same for a set that's two hours you'd play at a at club and then somewhere else where they're like, yeah, you're going to play eight hours tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole like quality or not even quality, but like the quantity for your money thing. And yeah. it's 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 funny because when you any any other industry in the world, if you have to work more in quotes work, you know, like you, you want to get paid more, right? But with DJs, you know, they're the well, they're the ones that are like, man, I I will play for two hours more for for free, or you know, like. Uh, but I, if someone, I, but if some promoter was to book you and say yeah we're gonna book you for eight hours i mean are you expected to get paid more or you get paid whatever the like your normal fee i don't know i mean I guess, i've had this discussion with my agent before and i just well curious. that's the thing is is if i agree to um an eight hour set for example it's normally going to be at a place where um I don't know. You're going to get sorted out properly anyway, kind of thing. Mm. Like, I, I don't know that, like, if I got a call to randomly go to some club in Italy this weekend that I never been to and they wanted me to do eight hours, it might be a different price or something. But I mean, again, this is all like, you can't really, uh, you, you can't really, there's so many variables, like the, the club size and if they have to rent the sound out and stuff like that. Like, you can't go to the United States, for example, and play at a rave and expect the rave promoters to pay you more because you're going to play double the time when, you know, they have to pay $4,000 just to open the door on the building, you know, so. True. I don't know, just a curious question. It's interesting, you know, that that actually comes up with people, like, especially uh, family or friends that have nothing to do with this music industry. They're like, (laughs) but did you get paid more? I was like, no. Did you get paid by the hour or? (laughs) But, I mean, you know, then there's stories I heard in the past where people like they did they said you know here's more money mm-hmm. just keep playing keep going yeah and i think it just depends on what you're up to so 
that's a rare occurrence for me. <laughs> but I mean, it's not that I mind, but I'm just something that I've thought about. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's worth discussing. I think somebody wrote, "Do I live close to the bird?" Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, listening. He's outside of the door right now. Yeah, listening. Uh, David on the internet, not you. Uh, he goes, "What's your least favorite track you made, Cosmic?" And when was it done? I was just looking at this question. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've just made so many shitty tracks. Oh, yeah. There's so many to choose from. So many shitty tunes to choose from. I don't know. I'm not going to name one, but I'm, I I think I'd sleep better at night if I didn't put out like, a few records that I put out, uh, especially around 2008, I think. I was young and impressionable, <laughs> but but that's a hard question to answer because your your tastes change as well. Like no, back for then, sure. it could be like, oh, this yeah. track was cool. Now you're like, oh, Jesus. Oh no, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's kind of there's, there's another question that says, uh, how do I like people right. keep typing shit and I don't know how to go back and read the other ones. It's going too quick. I don't know this. <laughs> I don't technology. All right, so James James is asking, have I ever considered going back to my Hessel Audio days? Uh-huh. Well, it's funny. I was I was just reading uh, this interview with the I think it was Sean from Otaker. Mm-hmm. Someone was uh, asking. Otaker. Someone was Otaker. 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 That's the fast way. All right. So he was he was asking like on a forum I think a while ago. Uh, if the Otaker guys <laughs> are ever going to revisit their old albums, because we were just talking about Trier Petty, for example. Uh, and he said, uh, like, his answer was something like, we are different people, uh, so we can't really go back to, to who we were back then, so we're not actually, we're phys- it's physically impossible for us to, to go back to, mm. to, those, to that sound, to those albums. And... I feel the same. I'm I'm a different person from who I was like six months or twelve months ago. You know, it's I'm very different from who I was like ten years ago. So it's yeah, it's like asking like Led Zeppelin to like go back to the first albums that they made and like, can you redo that or do something like that? Well, They're like, no, I'm over that. That like, actually, I had I had a question <laughs> written down that I was going to bring up, and that that absolutely fits into right now. Um, I kind of think about this a lot and it's like what causes an artist to like lose their edge or go uh, creatively bankrupt. You know what I mean? Because it's like with it's it's a general idea that basically like your favorite bands like they got two or three good albums and then they just go to shit. And, you know, there's bands that are still touring 20 years later and they're only touring because of what they did when they were 20. Yeah. And I, I think it's unfair to say that like, you know, a 35 year old person can't make good music because that's ridiculous in fact they should be able to make even better music with the experience but a lot of the music that has been popularized through hip-hop rock you name it generally comes from people that are like 18 to 25 yeah um not always but most of the time and i've been thinking about that a lot it's like what 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 is the process do they is it because they they get bored of it or they have kids or they like something else is going on in life or it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, that's a tough one. But, but also it it goes back to like, you know, let's say so, so so-and-so made this album that was like groundbreaking, amazing. And then they try to keep doing that same thing, but they don't really want to, maybe they want to do something else. And everyone just refers back to this first album that was amazing. Yeah. And they're going to automatically be like, oh, it's shit because it wasn't this. You know what I mean? But the producer or the artist could be like, I don't want to do that again. I want to do something different. And to them, different could be something that you probably heard already. Yeah. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I was know. it? Uh, what's the one dude from Zeppelin that's just fucking weird now? Is it Plant? Robert Plant? Yeah, making all the, the weird sing- shit. Yeah, he's like doing country and... yeah. My well, Maybe my, that's, yeah, my dad went to see uh, see him at this thing called Rock Fest in the United States. It's yeah. a festival, and all these people thought he was going to like show up and play a bunch Dude, of Zeppelin bunch covers. Of and then it was like him and that chick doing like folk music and shit. Yeah. And this is like drunk Wisconsin dudes and everything. <laughs> so like, what the fuck is this shit? So they just started throwing beer, and like he cleared out. I don't. Know, I think it's like 
maybe 10,000 people just cleared the stage and it was like the headlining act <laughs> no. for that night. You know what I mean? See, but that, that kind of sucks also, too because like he does. doesn't want to do that shit. He doesn't want to. I know. He's like, how long has he been playing the Zeppelin albums yeah. for 40 years? Or how many not times can I mean, you play the Stairways to Heaven? <laughs> that's, yeah. like, that's like asking Jeff Mills to play the Bells. He's probably like, oh, Jesus. No, he's, he's actually still fucking he's actually, I know he still does it, but do you really think he enjoys playing it? I don't know. I feel like he wouldn't play it at this point anymore if if he didn't like it. But I think he knows he has to. I just I, I played with him. I played. If after I was getting him. paid what he gets paid. I'd play the bells. <laughs> that's for sure. Five be like rewind. Yeah. But is this is this? What were you saying, Cosmo? You said recently you played. With I was I was gonna say that I played after him. I was I was more or less on the same stage and we we shared a car to the to the venue. <laughs> um, we had a quick chat about his uh, boots, but um, <laughs> his boots. <laughs> Uh, he did play the bells, and he was also doing like a like a live nine oh nine overdub thing. It's it's mm. incredible. It's really really impressive. Okay, yeah. Well, let's I see. Guess. Just checking out other questions here. Um, oh, have I ever? I don't know if you guys ever had this. Uh, when's the first time you played in Italy, Cosman? Were you doing it ten years ago? Still, I don't I don't think so. I think my okay. first one was. Yeah, a while ago. Yeah, I mean, I was I was traveling a little bit earlier before you guys, and it used to be in Italy. Uh, the the MC thing was super oh, big geez. there, and it's I mean that's really not so much a thing anymore. But yeah, I I had it like basically they'll have this Italian dude that's just MCing over the whole set. Was he speaking um, English or Italian? It was a mixture of both. <laughs> but this guy was like I don't know. He was a few fries short of a Happy Meal, and he just oh, thought geez. he was saying cool shit. He's sitting there on the mic, and I'm not even gonna do the Italian accent because mm-hmm. like, maybe after a couple more drinks. <laughs> but he's just like saying the dumbest shit, like I want to be a porno star, like oh, the electro God. thing, but like in a really bad Italian. Oh, no, and it was good. just fucking miserable. So I kept uh, <clears throat> turning the mic down, and then he'd come and turn it right back up. And then yeah. so it was on those the uh, the Pioneer whatever six hundred or something at the time. So I'd crank it up so it'd be like a chipmunk voice just to fuck with him and piss him <laughs> off. And this was like at the time, I, this was in the minimal era, so it almost fit if you were oh, to like right. make it sound stupid <laughs> like that. But um, it was noticeably happening, and he would just get super pissed off. And eventually, I got him just to stop because every time I disconnected him, he'd get right back in there, and. Uh, these days, it almost never happens, but it was really bad for a while. No, I mean, one, once in a while, you, you get either like one of the promoters <laughs> hyping up the crowd kind a little of, bit. Yeah, that's happened a like, couple times. You know, but yeah. nothing, nothing that dramatic. But I know but that it that, used that to happen. happens everywhere. Like if you do, if you go to Awakenings or play there, you Those got Dutch, Rocco's the on the mic all the time. Yeah, yeah. you know, true. people like that. And stuff. they hire these guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like they have an MC for well, the night. I remember, like, uh, in the United States, I'm sure you had this happen in California, too. Like, Ron Jeremy, uh, big oh, porn yeah. star, he, like, was always at rave parties, like, yeah, on the mic. Like, he would just get booked to show up and basically party, sit in the green room, uh-huh. and say some bullshit on the mic for about five minutes, and then bolt. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what a fucking... I've seen that quite a few times in L.A., for yeah. sure, at some, like, pajama raves or, like, lingerie raves. Like, stupid, just really dumb. <laughs> yeah, man. But people loved it. Like, he would be on the flyer and people were excited that he was going to be there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, the United States raves that were really, like, kitschy in that sort of way. Like, because, yeah. I mean, it was all, like, you know, 19 year old raver kids. And they're yeah. like, yeah, dude, this porno guy. It's awesome. But really, it's a it's, pajama rave. Nowadays, that would be so uncool. But yeah. at the time, it was, well, I, it wasn't even necessarily cool back then, but it was a selling point. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That's true. Uh, <laughs> Ron Jeremy. <laughs> This is uh, this camera thing's a little. Uh, it's hard it's, to focus. It's a distracting. Bit. It is a bit. distracting, but that's fine. Um, I'm gonna have a drink here. Hi, Kampai guys. Kampai. Bing. <laughs> anyway, I had some other questions going on as well. Um, pull it up here. Have you ever bought anything off of an infomercial, or is there something you've always wanted to? Hmm. I can't say that I've bought something, but off the top of my head, do they have those in Europe infomercials? I don't know. I don't even have the. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, like whole channels of it. Yeah. Damn, that's a funny question. I mean, I would I would use the shit out of a slap chop. Not gonna (laughs) lie, 
Like I can cut, but I mean, uh, you know, it seems like it'd be really convenient. Oh, and, and there's a two-handed greatsword. Did you ever see that one on the internet? It's an amazing video. Um, Is it the one where the guy cuts himself with it? No, the, the it's like Hooper? this. It's like this sword, like this fucking crazy big sword it's 300 bucks and now that i got a little bit of money i'm pretty convinced i'm gonna get one soon but the thing is is here's the deal like uh they'll they'll cut like they, they chop off it's dead already but a pig's head they cut right through it and then they'll like the next thing they'll do is like <laughs> pop a fucking balloon like just like very in like the up and down of like what this blade can do and it's super bendy and you can hang from shit and everything and uh i'll put it in the links on the train wreck site when this episode goes up, check it out. Or else, out. if you're listening live right now, just Google the two-handed greatsword. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I think there's a mullet going on in there and some nice 1980s power rock music. And oh, man. It's beautiful. Actually, you know what? I I wouldn't buy one now, but a long time ago, it was like a George Foreman grill. Like oh, when those, those were coming out, yeah. I was like, that thing looks amazing. Like I could grill in my kitchen, you know? Like I was younger. I was a teenager. Dude, that hat's amazing. <laughs> America. Uh, no, the thing is, is the Foreman Grill was a huge ordeal in the United States for a while. Cosman, was that a thing here in Europe? I don't know. No. Yeah, George Foreman Grill. I don't know. I don't know. No. I'm sure know. it was, kind of cool. I don't know. But <laughs> the, the, thing about, the thing about the Foreman Grill is like everybody in America went crazy for it and really all it does is just steam your shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've never used one, but it was one of those uh, infomercials you would see and be like, I could really use one of those, like, but you, you don't really need it. Oh no, not at all. I mean, because I get I lived in a house, so I could grill in the backyard. Yeah, I guess it maybe it catered more towards people in apartments and complexes where they don't have the luxury of uh, barbecue. Well, it it caters it caters towards lazy people because you literally just turn it on, you throw some hamburger meat on there, just close, and then it just fucking like the grease. It just kind of slides off the thing onto a plate, and then you you eat this like kind of microwave burger <laughs> steam thing burger basically yeah grill marks. that was never a thing over here dude no really not no. in my country not in the land of this Romania. is the 90s was it it wasn't it was, it was 90s, late dude. 90s early no, 2000s george Foreman yeah. grill dude no i shit. think that's like mid 90s at least um it's possible i don't know i mean it was, it was so long ago school. yeah i've learned to cook like a normal person since then <laughs> so but Cosman, do you ever want to? Have you bought anything? Would you buy anything off there? I'm pretty sure I bought something that was being sold uh, like through infomercials, but I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So I just I just found out how shit it was like after I bought it. I remember um, one time my dad bought a, one of those those indestructible hoses. I don't know if you remember that. It like it's, oh yeah, it, I heard about it rolls up flat, and then when you pump it with water, it expands. Mm-hmm. And the first day my dad got it, he did the t- test that they did on the infomercial where you drive over it, and it ripped. <laughs> Jesus, man. First did he get day, his money back? He, tr- he returned and he got his money back. There you go. But it was just like, you know, they try to sell it to like, it's into, you know, it's like, this is what the firemen use, and this is made yeah. of like super strong, uh, I don't even Bullshit. know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like ran it over and it ripped. It's like, dude. That's, well, the funny thing about those infomercial guys is... um. They're salesmen, Billy, man. They're yeah, well, sellers. Billy Mays, he died of a heart attack, but wasn't... What, but he was like coke. He, he was, was like a cokehead, coke right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also the sham wow guy, which the Europeans have no jail, clue right? we're talking about. I think he's a tweaker. Like, didn't, he go to, didn't he like rape some girl or beat up some girl? I don't know. Let's Google it. look it up. But, I think he did. Uh, anyway, I know, for, I know for a fact he was also partying pretty hard, and <laughs> I, maybe that's just kind of part of the... Uh, I don't know. That's their, comes life, with the that's job, their lifestyle, you know? yeah. These guys got to be all amped all the time. I'm looking it up. His name is Vince Offer, the sham wild Dude, his guy. last name is Offer. That's amazing. <laughs> For a guy that sells something. Dude, I mean, when you look at this, his picture, offer. his eyes, he just looks like he's been up for five days and he wants to put his finger in your butt or something. <laughs> right there's his lawsuits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, where's the crime section? Oh, that's right. He was in that underground comedy movie. Do you remember that? That was actually uh, in an infomercial. This uh, was a tape. Because that's the thing. They used to have to do um, before YouTube and all that shit. You would just spread around tapes of like fucking crazy, like faces of death. Do you remember those videos yeah, and oh, everything? Yeah. So this was all before before YouTube and all that. You had, to, you had to share these things. And there was the underground comedy movie. And it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I forgot that he was on there. But uh, battery, altercation <laughs> with a 26-year-old prostitute. There you go. There it is. It's 
she bit his tongue and would not let go. So apparently he's been deformed. Jesus. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The guy just parties down. and But then I, the other link I read is that he, he cleans up his act, according to NBC News. I don't know. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> he's trying to get back in the game. Fuck, man. But the thing is, is I wonder if they, if those people even sell anything these days. I don't know. I mean, there's whole channels dedicated to that. There's even a there's even a new channel. I haven't seen it, but in the states, the the gun channel where they just sell guns all day. Christ, you heard is about that, for that? Real? Yeah, it's real. Dude, I don't know. That's <laughs> not so surprising though. But I mean, at the same time, it's. I mean, it's a channel dedicated to selling guns. That's it. That that makes us sound super American. Well, right actually, now. I don't know if the channel. I don't know if the whole channel is guns but they sell guns on tv like it's a thing like it's new which is pretty wild hmm. i bet europeans are, they look at that or i mean not european everyone in the world probably looks at it like we're crazy well we're just trying to make america great again you know yeah <laughs> trump 2000 this is not a trump hat by the way <laughs> it does kind of look like it one. does yeah i gotta get rid of this shit <laughs> uh Oliver wants to know how you catch up with new inspirations after a super busy weekend before going back into the studio. Cosman, um, you haven't said anything in yeah. forever. Dude, I'm just behind this behind the camera. This is your like, fucking I'm, episode. He's supposed know, to be the I'm co-host sorry. here. All right. <laughs> I'm just going to finish this. going to say goodbye to all these people. Hey, so that's the end of the first part of the show. Uh, tune in on Friday, and I'll have the second part up. Got another hour with the boys, another bottle of sake, and some good times. Thanks for listening.